Hi there, my name is Dean Wixon. I'm a 29-year-old football coach from the UK. I currently live and work in Melbourne, Australia. I've started the Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault podcast to address the links between mental health and sport. As an active team sport player, coach and viewer, I, like many others, have felt the impacts of COVID-19 on sport. With a constant struggle with depression, being deprived of sport has proved to be another obstacle in life. Due to the ongoing situation with COVID-19, I decided it would be a great opportunity to sit down and hear from a wide range of athletes across different levels of competition about their experiences of sport, mental health and COVID-19. Hi guys and welcome back to Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault. I'm your host Dean Wixon and I'm delighted to say today that we've got a great new guest in. Ah, uh, oh, fucking hell, that was rubbish. I'm, I'm not very good at this stuff. No, you're doing awesome. Um, right. Hi guys and welcome back to Sport, Mental Health and It's All COVID-19's Fault. Hope everyone's keeping well and uh, still enjoying the lockdown and, and keeping fit and and all that sort of stuff. Um, today, we're delighted to have, for our seventh episode, Kariah White, a former country Vic player in soccer, played in the Women's Premier League and the National Training Centre, and then latterly in the Women's National Premier League, uh, culminating in a, a season with Melbourne Victory. Kariah, how are you? Hey, Dean. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. How are you? Uh, you sound like you're in your garden. Yeah, I'm just out the front actually enjoying some sun. It's um, it's a bit crappy when the weather's cold and you're stuck inside, so I just try and get outside as much as I can. How are you travelling? Yeah, not that We've got some pretty bad weather the next few days, so enjoy the enjoy the sun while you can. Yeah, that's uh, right. I was, I was going to say before you start, people might not know me as Karaya, so um, I better introduce myself as Squirt as well because some people might be like, who the hell is Karaya? <laughs> yeah, correct. So obviously, I know you were squirt more so as well. Like, give us give us a quick one. Where did that come from? Uh, my grade three teacher actually, and it's just stuck. Um, she apparently she used to get cold that when she was a kid by her dad, I believe, and it's just stuck ever since grade three. And like I said, some people you might be saying, oh, you know, cry this, cry that, and they're like, who is crying? Like, oh, you know, squirt. Like, oh, well, why don't you just say that? It's funny. So stuck all the way from year three. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I love it. So it gives me some, I guess, unique identity in some way. It's a, it's a, it's a USP, isn't it? It's a unique selling point, I guess. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so Squirt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like what you, you sort of your early, early life. Like you were born in Melbourne and then you, you moved away. Yeah, that's it. I was born uh, in Melbourne, in the west side of Melbourne. Uh, and then when I was, I think, in prep or grade one, my parents decided to move to a little country town called Echuca. I think a lot of people probably holiday there. So we grew up there and our family had a small business and I was there till uh, the start of year nine. So um, a lot of who I am is a country girl at heart living in a bit of a big city. Um, but I love Echuca and it's kind of, I've moved around a lot since then. It's kind of the only place that somewhat feels like home um but I love it and there's a few other girls in the scene I guess Alex Cheel uh, that I played with down there as well but I actually grew up playing 
basketball with my brother. Um, we, I kind of just followed. He's my older brother. He, uh, I followed a lot of what he did. So I tried to play basketball. Then, and everyone that knows me will know that I'm well and truly too bloody short to play basketball. So I was um, going to say you're about the height of a six-year-old, mate. Yeah, so I, I know. know. I know. You know what? Actually, Dean, I was like, you know, when I was like 12, 13, I was actually quite tall. I just haven't grown since then. <laughs> so now I'm short. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I was, I was like, I was like the elephant man at 16. I was this big and then I haven't grown. Since so then. <laughs> nah, yeah. I've, so you can't pick on big, me then. Yeah, no, I was a big fat lump at 16 and uh, I'm slightly less fat lump now. So it's, it's... <laughs> You're a muppet. <laughs> so you, so, so you, Growing up in Echuca, like um, you, you played obviously a bit of basketball, like you say, but you probably your your best sport, I'm going to guess, was soccer or football. Yeah, well, I guess again in a country town, like most of the choices are footy or netball. Like, and I at that point, obviously, footy AFL girls weren't really allowed to play with boys, and then I wasn't going to be yeah. walking around a netball court in a skirt. Um, so I chose to play soccer with some of the boys and yeah, I kind of just went with it and loved it and started to get good at it and then just took it from there. So that's an interesting one. I'm going to delve into that a bit. So obviously you say there that footy and netball were the two choices and and I'm going to guess boys played footy, girls played netball. Yeah. Um, And then, and then even basketball, like it was very mixed, basketball was very mixed, like, um, so that's why I did it. But like I said, like I was too short to kind of pursue it any further than what I did. So I was kind of only left with one choice, which was soccer. And yeah, I loved it. Did Did you ever Did you ever, as a kid, want to play footy as such? As in AFL? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess like my whole like my dad's side of the family, like all the boys play footy. Uh, like the I guess the wives and all the girlfriends are all involved in footy or their boyfriends play footy. So footy was kind of all we grew up kind of watching. Like I was somewhat an outsider in terms of my wider family, like bringing soccer into it because, you know, very typical Aussie family that was just footy, footy, footy. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I kicked the footy around the backyard and played at school and stuff, but just never, it never pursued it then. Yeah, you kind of... You were before you were growing up, I guess, before this kind of influx of, of the women's AFL and 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 the popularity that that the female sport of AFL was gained. Yeah, exactly. So, and I would probably say if I was in Melbourne at that age and saw a few more girls playing footy, I would have given it a crack. But in a country town, there was definitely no girls playing footy. Yeah, I, I mean, I come from a little, like, slightly different in the UK, but a little village. Boys played football, girls played netball. That that yeah, was exactly. like, yeah. Uh, uh, or rugby, you know, like rugby yeah, union yeah, we yeah. used to play. As well. so it was very much clear cut. Um, although, having said that, I played on my primary school netball team. So there you go. We were, we were quite good at that, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Squirt, welcome back. Um, so obviously, I'm interested in this. So obviously, Echuca's how far outside of Melbourne? Two and a half hours. So it's a two and a half hours. Um, this is sounding like a repeat of the Jackie Vote episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jackie's one of my good <laughs> friends, actually. Although, yeah, we come from opposite sides of the state, but um, yeah, we're really good mates. Um, so, 
So you, because you played in the national training centre as well in Melbourne, coming from coming from the country. Like, was was that at the same time as Jackie or? Yeah, well, that's where I met Jackie. I think I hope that's right. She'd kill me if it's not. Pretty sure it's right. Um, but that that kind of when I got into NTC, which is now I think EAP. I'm not sure, but whatever it was. Um, that was when we yeah, first. It's an emerging Matilda program now. Yeah, I think yeah, of. that's it. Yeah, I think when I left there yeah. a couple of years back, it was yeah turned into EAP. But yeah, when I first got there, it was NTC. So um, the way that I got there was I represented Vic Country at the state champs in I think either Sydney or Coffs Harbour. Um, and got selected in the Australian squad from there and basically everyone um, from the Vic side of the country or Metro, if they got selected in that Aussie side, they then got a chance to trial at, um, at MTC and once that happened, we kind of, between myself and my brother, he was into acting. So my mum was kind of driving from Echuca every day for us kids and it just was too taxing, you know, even on our bodies um, as young athletes. And then, yeah, obviously leaving, kind of having to leave school early to make the trip down and you get home at God knows what time and then you just do it all again the next day. It just got too hard. So between myself and my yeah. brother, I think maybe may kind of made the choice to come down back, back down to Melbourne and it was just was easy. And there's more opportunity, obviously, in the city as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a massive thing, not just even in sport. Um, there's a whole different... Uh, demographic it, out in the country and the disadvantages that that they that comes with, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And even like, there's no university in the Chuka or anything, and you know you can travel. Um, and there's obviously I still have friends that live there and are, are doing you know well for themselves. But I just don't think it was um, for me or for our family. Like we kind of have bigger eyes than just a small country town. But it doesn't take away from what that place meant to us. No, of course. And again, I, I say like I can, there's people back in my village where I come from that I could walk in the pub and they're still in the same spot and, and yeah, there's nothing it. wrong with that. Absolutely not. It just, that just wasn't for me, I guess. And, and yeah, so I, I can really empathise with that. Yeah. So, but obviously with that, like you've, you've touched on the time commitment being huge for, for yourself, your parents and, and everything. Like, did that, did that increase the pressure to perform? Do you find like knowing that it was putting pressure on on the whole family? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think even though my brother was doing a bit of acting here and there, I think a lot of the reason was to follow my sporting career. That's kind of the reason that we that we moved, and I still somewhat feel guilty for that. Um, although I shouldn't, because I've you know I've been as successful as I could have been um, doing what I love. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, yeah. definitely comes with guilt and, um, you know, you leave behind your friends and people that you know. And I think there's also coming from Echuca and kind of being, you know, one of the top athletes in Echuca and you come to Melbourne and it's a bit of, you know, there's more fish to fry in, in a way. Like there's more, <laughs> then, I, then I put more, you know, pressure on myself because, you know, at that time I was playing with like Steph Catley, Brie Davey, Ash Brown, um, and, you know, there's this immense pressure that I put on myself and it didn't really come from anyone else. Yeah, right. And and how did you, did you, like, what age would you have been at that point where you, where you felt you were putting pressure on yourself? Like 12, 13. So, yeah, definitely early teens. Okay, um, so, so pretty young age to be, like, stressing out. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like, you speak to anyone and they'll say, you know, life squirts, you know, got a big head on their shoulders and all that. Like, I think because of 
the moving that I've done around, like I had to become pretty independent pretty quickly when I was young. Um, even though my yep. family obviously were there to support me the whole way, I think. Um, and being just being around older girls that I was playing with as well. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Like you don't, you don't really feel it when you're living it, but obviously when you look back and have that time to reflect, you can, you can see why you were doing certain things and why maybe I was acting up as a teenager at school and all those kinds of things. Like it definitely plays a toll, um, you know, in sport and away from sport. Well, it, it does. And one thing I found working in women's football is that um, emerging talent break into senior environments a lot mm-hmm. younger than they do in the men's game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like you're, you're almost regularly see World Cup, women's World Cups, for example, where players of 15, 16 are playing at the moment. Yeah, it's nice. Um, whereas in the men's game, obviously, that's very different. So we're exposing those female players to senior football very young. Yeah, you're um, right. Which is great in many ways, but I, I mean, I don't know much. I don't know if you know much about other sports for females, whether that's the case. Um, I guess it's so different because if we're, you know, comparing, you know, to say AFL and soccer, there isn't, you know, that Matildas program in the yeah. AFL world. There isn't a young Matildas program that isn't that kind of pathway. Obviously, there's Oz kick and stuff, and then you get into junior footy and then senior footy. But there's not there's no goal to represent your country in a way. Um, yeah, I guess because it's a very it's an Australian game. No one else in the world really. Yeah, plays exactly. It. <laughs> and then I guess things like, like basketball, like like I said, I've been about in the basketball scene, and that's kind of the goal is to get to American college and go do it in America and then you come back and you might play for Australia and then if you're that good, you know, you go and play NBA. But, um, yeah, I think soccer just being a European sport is just so unique. Why didn't the dog want to play football? It was a boxer. I think we definitely need to look at the mental side of it more and, and how, like you say, a young girl of 12, 13, okay, you've got a big head on your shoulders and blah, blah, blah. But is that the right way that we should be going about it? Um, obviously, because that was 10, 10, 12 years ago that happened with you. But should we be looking at ways? It makes me sound old 10, 12 years ago. Goodness. Am I that old? Right. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Definitely. It's like people question why I've retired, but it's happened. Um, and you know what? Even back then, like when I was in NTC, we were playing against boys. Um, and then I was there for a couple of years, and by the end of it, we were eventually playing in the Premier League. Um, but, you know, we started playing against under 13 boys when I was first there. Yeah. Well, so, so they, like, this sounds really weird, but, like, they made sure that you were obviously playing against the boys is competitive football, you know, like um, the way they would have taken that seriously. It would Every game would have been a competitive game. Yeah, yeah sorry. I had a bloody call come through. <laughs> the joys of yeah, a lockdown, mate, where we have to do yeah, it. No. Uh, so yeah, the no, question was? All I saying, so, so obviously you were playing against the boys and, and that would have been made sure that every game was competitive. Yeah, you know, right? competitive and, no yeah, 
the play and even at that age the boys are still quite strong you know we we may have been you know 15 16 year old girls and they're you know 13 year old boys that have just hit hormones and they're still quite strong on the ball and a lot faster and um, you know, there was some, sometimes we got smashed in a game and there was some, some games that we won and I think it was pretty, a, a good level. And, um, now I'm pretty sure they still have practice games against boys, but they're, they're obviously in the, the Premier League now and every week play against women. Um, which, you know, I don't know, I'm probably, I probably sit the fence to whether that's the best thing for those kids. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm probably a bit yeah. out of the picture now to be able to make a, an opinion or have an opinion on that. Hey, but look, I, I can only say from my point of view as coaching in in that space is when we come back from this COVID-19 sort of scenario, I'd be looking to get my senior women playing against our club's 15 or 14, 15-year-old Yeah, boys, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I think I think they'd revel in that as well, the, both, both the girls and the boys. Yeah. Um, Hopefully the girls will want to knock the boys down a peg or two. No, absolutely. That was and such good fun. <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. So, um, no, I think that's a very valid argument. And, and my personal view is I'd like to see girls' teams playing boys' teams regularly all the way up to 14, 15 years of age. Yeah, so, um, just just moving that on, like uh, we're, we're here to talk about mental health in many ways and, and how it sort of just using sport as a funnel into that. And um, you you took a period of a couple of years or so out of the game. Like, what what brought that on for yeah. you? Obviously, you were successful and doing really well. Um, it, it seems a bit weird from the outside to go. Nah, I'll have two weeks, two years. Yeah, off. I guess the initial the initial reason was there was a lot of um, this was kind of in the transition from the national training program to the EAP program that it is now. Um, and I think at one point we didn't even have a coach, so we actually got told to go and play at a club. So at that point I went and played at Bundura United um, with Mark Torcaso and then, then went back to the EAP program. And then by that time I was 18 and then pretty much got kicked out because I was too old and I didn't I didn't really want to go and play at a club. So I just thought I'd have some, some time off. And um, in between that, my parents separated. So um, I just kind of needed to be with my family and, kind of deal with that because I guess I like could play sport and avoid it for as long as I could and sat with some really I guess shitty feelings um with that and and among that I also came out to my family and um being a a gay female in the sporting world um I came out actually at quite a young age which most people don't I know I came out around 13 14 years old pretty much as soon as I moved to Melbourne I somewhat figured it out so between all that and the mental health side of it you know soccer was my outlet that's, that, um that's an interesting one so so you did that as you moved back to melbourne do you think there was sort of social factors to that because we've touched on the differences between country and, and metropolitan Victoria. yeah yeah do you think you probably felt more comfortable in melbourne saying maybe but for me like you know there's this whole theory about you know being gay is completely genetic and whatnot so funnily enough my brother is gay and he came out um when we lived in Echuca and it wasn't frowned upon but it was you know a very small minority of the population in Echuca was gay 
Um, but you know, he grew up he grew up in the theatre scene, so we actually joke about it. We were, you know, we switched kind of in mum's body that he should have been the one playing sport. You know, but that's very stereotypical. Um, I shouldn't be saying that anyway. But you know, he he's gay and grew up in the theatre world, and I'm gay and grew up around sports. So it's just funny the way that it works. But my um my my yeah, mum's wow. dad was also gay, so um he uh married my my grandmother, my nan. Um, who actually funnily enough lives in Terrelgan near Jackie Watt, which is funny. Um, and then, you know, they got divorced. I think when my mum was around, you know, 12-ish. Um, and then he came out as gay and had a partner kind of until the day that he died. So um, for us or in our family, we think it's quite a genetic thing. Um, but obviously, yeah. That's, that's great. I inherited, I inherited my mum's fat, horrible nose. <laughs> You inherited being gay, yeah, like, possible, but yeah, but... and also, yeah, like obviously, I was, you know, I played up, I, I played and grew up at NTC, and that was kind of around when the whole W League started, and you know, some of the girls were gay there, so yeah. you're more exposed to it, yes. But I also grew up with, you know, playing with some girls who I had no idea that were gay, and now have come out and they're very happy about it. But obviously, as a teenager, it's a very difficult thing to do. It is a, you know, sport aside, that's coming to terms with, with how you're feeling, especially at a young age, must be mentally, whether it must have a, an impact, whether it's at the time or, or afterwards because of the perception. Yeah, absolutely. And that's did, what... did you find there were times... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, did you find there were times in life where you you struggled with that? In, yeah, in which way? kind of seems odd to me now talking about it because, like I said, like a lot of the older women that I grew up playing with are all gay and were very open about it at the time, but you still felt how you felt. And obviously coming out to your family is a whole different, a whole different ball game as well. So I think no matter how many gay people you are around or how many gay people are in my family, like it still made it really hard. And I definitely like rebelled against that. And, you know, for me, I was keeping a secret from my mum for a long time you know you know at times I would after school lie about where I was going I was obviously going to my girlfriend's house but you know I lied about where I was going and for me like that I just one night I just kind of lost my temper a bit and just told her kind of in anger but because my phone I'd actually was on my way home from my girlfriend's house at the time and I ended up my phone died and I got home really late and my parents were so worried I just felt so bad they had you know they worked so hard to ensure that I could travel and play the sport they loved when I was young and they drove me everywhere and I just felt like I had to, I, you know, I owed them honesty. Um, but, you know, for a couple of years, I still kind of hit it in a way, yeah. Yeah, it's such a, I mean, obviously now you, you're in a pretty happy relationship. You've got two yeah, kids yeah. And, and you're doing the opposite to hiding yeah, it exactly. now, mate. Yeah, And that's the thing, like even <laughs> my, my fiancé, we're actually getting married. Well, hopefully getting married at the end of the year. But we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, you know, even she's, Three people involved in the <laughs> wedding. Maybe, I think it's five. I don't know. Anyway, hopefully not. We'll postpone that other one. Um, you know, even my Lisa, my partner, she's um, older than me and she even struggled, you know, saying it in the last, you know, let's say last 10 years, she struggled, you know, telling people that she was with a girl. Like, and it's just, I think because I was, you know, as honest as I could be from the age of 12, 13, besides you know being honest with my mum at the start I've just been open about it um and I you know I'm an open book and that's why I'm not afraid to talk about it you know on a podcast like this and it's I think that you know whether there's one person or 10 people or 100 people listening like it might inspire one person to tell the truth and 
that's what I'm about. Yeah, I think it's genuinely a, especially in the girls, the female game, it's more prevalent. Yeah. I mean, in the men's game, it's still suppressed. It's it's still massively suppressed, and and we're starting to see members of uh, different sporting codes come out. Generally speaking, once they've yeah. retired, which even again, like I'm um, on the fence about why it's such a big deal to come out. Which you know, obviously, like I just said, it was a big deal for me to come out, but it shouldn't. Like you know, yeah. if if I when I when the kids are uh, you know Lisa's kids get older and one someone one of them came home with a girl or a boy, whatever, like it shouldn't be a big deal. Like if it's a boy or a girl, whatever, like, it doesn't matter. Playing sport helps you get a better night's sleep. We all know how important sleep is to our overall well-being. After training or competing, mind and body are ready for a good night's rest. Don't forget to do all you can in lockdown to stay fit mentally and physically. Uh, and you came back to play in what was then a new competition in Victoria, which was the Women's National Premier League. Uh, how did you find that? Yeah, back good. In? Like I said, I had the two years I had off um, was yeah very much a lot of travel and a bit of socialising, but I also had a chance to play forty or AFL. So. Um, I just kind of came back with fresh eyes. Like I actually had no intentions of playing that year. And then Vince, who was the coach at the time, reached out to me and just said, you know what, I'll just give it a go. And obviously it was back in the car and travelling from Melbourne to Geelong, which, you know, for me, that's like people are like, oh, how do you do that? I'm like, well, it's second nature to me. Like being from Echuca, it's just so normal. And an hour down the, the freeway to Geelong, you know, it could be well and truly worse. So um, I just kind of went in there with fresh eyes. Well, I've got it. Obviously, I've I've worked at Galaxy as well when, yeah, when you were yeah, there for a right. period. It's it's not too, it's not too bad, is it? Like it's you stick on a good podcast like this <laughs> so, one, and uh, <laughs> and you before yeah, you know exactly. it, you know a lot of the girls um, from Melbourne. We you know just split up the travel and carpooled and see what we can. And it was such an awesome yeah. club. And I think as soon as I stepped back in. To, it was definitely like a very young environment. Um, I was one of the oldest players. So the pressure kind of came straight off as I just kind of focused on being a role model to the girls and just wanted that, you know, the new club, an all-female club to succeed. Um, and we definitely did. Um, but I think I just had taken the pressure off myself. Um, I was obviously a little bit more mature and, um, you know, the, the group of girls was awesome. Vince, the coach, was great. Um and we did we did really really well in our first season, so I can't fault that. Um, other than losing the grand final, but I think I just was able to just take off any pressure. There was kind of no, there's kind of less pressure from my parents as well because I was just doing it, you know, on my own. They definitely still came to watch all my games and stuff. But I think sometimes when you yeah. travel with your parents as a younger kid, like you're in the back seat kind of thing, there's a lot of like talk about playing the game or talk about training and do this and do that and do your best. Whereas I just kind of tried to have fun again, which I'd lost that in those two years off. Like I lost, I completely lost my passion for it to be completely honest with you, Dean. Like I lost my passion for it and whatever the reason was, like I still trying to figure that out, whether it's just, I wanted to kind of just travel and, you know, keep myself to working and kind of being an adult or, you know, just, you know, I don't think I'll ever know the complete answer, but it is, it is what it is. It's a, that's a very common thing, though, I find over here. And, and I think speaking as coaches, I think we need to take that on board as well, that, that there has to be a 
emphasis on, on people enjoying the game, no matter what level, because there's an awful lot of people that do, in quotes, fall out mm-hmm. of love with the game. Yeah. Um, and, and that's everyone's fault. That's not just, in your case, your fault. That's the experience you've been put yeah. into. And if I'm saying... Well. This is all yeah, my absolutely. opinion. Yeah. But um, uh, I think that as coaches, we, and I know I try to make, make sure that 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 doesn't happen that would hurt me as a coach to know that one of my players yeah exactly and to be honest like I as a matured and I kind of realize now that this doesn't belittle the game in any in any which way but you know there's only a certain amount of spots on the Australian team so I think and that's probably a harsh comment to make in for young girls or young young boys listening like that is completely the truth there's only x amount of spots in a national team squad, not everyone's going to make it and that's okay. And I think, you know, around the time um, I decided to leave the game, I never realised that. I just, I somewhat gave up and, that, and that, that's okay. Um, but then when I came back, I realised, you know what, I'm, you know, whatever I was, 20, 20 now and I'm not going to make some Matildas. I don't want to. I don't have that desire. I just want to have fun and fall back in love with the, you know, a, a sport that's taken up my entire life. And I did. Yeah, and and that's it. And that may be an issue because you maybe you started playing at a high level with high pressure, even though you may not have felt it. But you're by the age of twenty, you'd had ten years of your life almost, half of your life taken up traveling to and from a, a Melbourne yeah. from Echuca and playing with these these top level players and and the pressure that. You know, you may not have openly felt it, but it, it may have sort of deferred the pain yeah, up to absolutely. that age. You know, you, yeah. you don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist in any way, yeah. shape or form. But I, you know, the, these things have to be contributing factors and, and dealing with them. Is yeah, not and I think when you get to that age of 16, 17, 18, when, you know, your school friends are going to parties and they're socialising and, you know, you just have to spend your time doing homework because you spent half your day doing training or whatever it might be that you don't you kind of miss out on that I know that definitely plays a factor that was a huge factor for me um and there's some girls that can completely commit to losing their social life and that's also fine um but for me that was kind of yeah definitely a factor as well um you know you spend eight hours a day with your school friends and then they, you know, they go to a house party on a weekend and a Friday and you can't go and that feels shit. You feel left out. Um, so it's kind of two different worlds and they merge yeah, and I'm... everyone takes it, you know, it's a bit of a grain of salt, I guess. They take it very differently. Like it depends which way you want to go. And, and I think that's a really interesting point because I think when, we, when people say mm. mental health, they go depression, yeah, exactly, yeah. anxiety. That's that's not necessarily like you don't have to have a diagnosis for one of those to have mental health battles or issues. I guess you, things like feeling left out as a fifteen-year-old. I don't think there's any worse feeling. No, in the world no, than exactly. That. <laughs> you know, at that point, at that point in your life, you're fifteen and you feel like no one wants oh, to exactly. speak to me. Yeah, and something. I guess like. You, you know, your, your friends at school don't understand, like, especially being in a, a program like the NPC program, they don't really understand the toll and the commitment that it takes as well. And even trying, like, when I was in a Chuka, yep. it was kind of easy to explain to teachers, 
and they were kind of, I guess, more lenient in terms of homework and whatever. But coming to like a, a metro Melbourne school and having to explain it all again, they're like, well, what's an athlete? Like they didn't necessarily understand that I could be that young and be in, like in an elite athlete environment. So that was another issue as well. But yes. um, nonetheless, like, yeah, fast forwarding to 2016 at, at back at Geelong, it just was an awesome year. And I think I just completely took the pressure off myself and I just was loving it. I was loving loving the team. And then, yeah, all of a sudden before I knew it, I was, like, playing for victory that summer and it was somewhat a fairy tale. Um, it came to a quick end, I guess, but um, it was kind of – somewhat my dream to come true and that's all I ever wanted and I did it and it was awesome. But it's, it's interesting that that call up to Melbourne victory and the highest level you played at came off the back of a season where you just tried to enjoy Yeah, exactly. Yourself. Like it's, and that's why I think. Probably showed well, in absolutely. your play. I think it shows not just in sport, but everyday life. If you're doing what you love and you're, you know, I, I kind of compare it to work. Like I've had some shitty jobs and I've had some great jobs, but if you can be doing something that you love, you know, if the majority, like you spend more time at work than you do at home, like with your family. So I think if people can be happy and be like easily happy, if that makes sense, then then it just all comes naturally. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, like I said, there's just no pressure. So um, I think it's funny because I think that most people probably don't know the story of how I got into the victory squad because it did like while we were playing finals for Premier League, all the trials for all the WLA teams are going on. And I just like didn't even blink at it. Like I didn't have any interest. And then all of a sudden, like we lost the grand final. And I remember Vince came over to me and was like, oh, Jeff just texted me like he wants to come out and train. And I was like, what? I was like, first of all, who's Jeff? Jeff Hopkins was the coach, the victory coach. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Like whatever, I'll give it a go. And again, because I was happy, like although we'd lost the grand final, like I was still happy and enjoying soccer. I was like, oh, sure, let's just give it a go. And I actually – you know, fast forward a few weeks from that, I still didn't get a victory contract but was able to train on with the squad. Um, and then it kind of came to round one. And I think, I believe one of the girls was away, like on a young Matilda's camp or something. So there was a, I don't know, it's very contractual. I don't really know how it works behind the scenes. But basically I kind of had like a one-week contract. Um to play so I don't know how that yeah. works but I actually ended up getting chosen to play over some of the girls that actually had a full-time contract which is bizarre um and that still came with guilt and that's why yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen the game but if you look at highlights I don't have a num- I don't have a name on my back so just I just had number 25 and I didn't have my last yeah. name on the back so after the game like it was really funny getting my because you have to lock your phone away um obviously not have it in the change room so got my phone well and truly after the game yeah. and kind of went on Twitter and stuff and people were making like jokes, not like, not at me, but was like, Oh, her last name's white. That's why I'm yeah. wearing an away kit, which was white. And like, Oh, her last name's white. That's why they, you know, the kit man forgot to put it on there. And it was just funny because <laughs> I'm like, who is this like person who's come out of nowhere? Um, and I, you know, I played a pretty, pretty good game, which was lucky, but it was just, people were just like so confused to why this chick was playing, like came off the bench and just had no name on her back. This was wearing number 25. So, yeah, it was a funny, a very um, interesting experience, especially because, yeah, I was kind of let down again and kind of felt that, you know, rejection because I didn't get a contract. But then round one came and I got my shot. And then, yeah, just because of the rest is history in a way. How did the, how did the season go for yeah, you? Yeah, so I actually, that first round, I actually strained my hamstring whilst I was warming up to go on. I just, like, kind of felt it. 
and I niggled a bit and I was like, oh, whatever, anyway. So I came on and I was, like, running completely fine and, like I said, I played, like, a pretty decent game and just was doing my thing. And then I ended up being out for a couple of weeks because of my Shane hamstring, um, which I then went on to tear that same year, which was good fun. I'm still, you know, copping grief from it. Um, so I was out for a couple of weeks and then yeah. eventually kind of worked my way back into starting eleven. Which was awesome. Got my uh, got my last name on my strip, which is every girl's dream. Um, and then yeah, I guess like this season, like I you know I scored a couple of goals, which was awesome. Started in the in the squad, a few teams, which was great. Travelled, and then it kind of fizzled out. And then like I never went back. So it was just yeah, very interesting. But nonetheless, it's still an awesome experience. Well, look, I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, I'm, it's it's going to make a really good listen to massive massive insight into how you've dealt with things and, and obviously the personal side of it as well as sport. So yeah, it's been really great. Thanks, Thanks so much, for coming on. Like, I think I said this before, but for you and what you're doing with this podcast, like I said, if it's, if one person listens or 10 or a hundred, like just know that what you're doing is, um, is special no matter how many sets of ears hear it. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that, mate. Thanks. No I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. There's that, mate. Job done. Um, that was good. Um, when you run as quick as not you anymore, do, Dino. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Like. Although the wheelchair, yeah, just it is. It's actually motorized, so it's um, it's all good. It's <laughs> self-efficient. Yeah.